this gift of going on that trip with you really was a gift of healing, a gift of connecting both to myself, to you, and to the possibilities of what comes next. Hi, I'm Tanya Perez, and you're entering a world gone good. Hi, I'm Ryan Basham, and you're entering a world gone good. Well, hello and welcome. My name's Steve, and this is World Gone Good, the podcast where we shine the light into the darkness every single Wednesday to prove there is still plenty of good out there. You can help brighten the whole place up by sharing, subscribing, rating, and or reviewing. You've already made the place brighter just by being here right now and listening. And so for that, any of that, all of that, we say thank you. So here's a question. Raise your hand if you've ever gone on a road trip. Okay, now do you remember your very first one? For me, uh, growing up in the 1970s, it was my brother and myself jumping into the backpack of our station wagon. The backpack was a two-seater condensed version of the back seat, and the best part was it faced backward, so it faced like outward. My brother came up with this awesome game he called Runaway Couch. We would get in, buckle up, and the rest of the family would be doing the same. We both play like it was just another day, normal, every day, you know. And we were sitting on our living room couch. Then my dad would start the engine and back us out of the driveway, and my brother would make a concerned face. As soon as my dad put the car into drive and we started a journey, my brother would exclaim, Oh my God, runaway couch! We'd hold on for dear life as if our living room sofa had taken off and we had exploded through the living room window on its own. We were on an amusement horror ride of some sort. It was all in our imagination, I guess, but the joy of our predicament would last about mm, 20-ish minutes. There's honestly only so many times you can go, oh my God, we're on the highway, or oh my God, look at that sign, or you know, moments like that that you have before it gets old and you move on to the next game you come up with in the moment. When I got older, I started taking road trips with a good friend of mine. She had a rule that when gassing up the car before we hit the road, we both had to pick out red items in the gas station mini-mart to share on the trip. So think of Hawaiian punch and red vines and any other red item that you can come up with. Why was this her rule? I do not know to this day, but it just sort of became our good thing. I'm not sure if my guests today even considered playing Runaway Couch or trading red items on their road trip. Tanya Perez and Ryan Basham are pretty much BFFs. When Tanya had to take a recent road trip, Ryan offered to join her. And I had seen pics of their journeys on Instagram and Facebook from the travels they were having. And I thought to myself, oh, this would make a really fun episode of World Gone Good, the good of road tripping. There's just one little part I didn't know. The reason why they were taking this specific road trip. Buckle up. Here comes their story of good. Well, welcome to World Gone Good, lady and gentleman. <laughs> which is which? <laughs> um, I thought we'd just jump in and start in a very generic way and then get more specific. So here's the first question for both of you. You can fight it out as who gets to speak first. What's good about a road trip? 
Oh my goodness. Um, you know, and in a general sense, uh, you know, for me, a road trip is, is, uh, is adventure. It's, it's seeing the world through, you know, you know, seeing the world in a, in a way that I normally don't get to do in my four by five apartment in New York city. Um, you know, an open air and it's just, it's vitality. It's seeing mountains. It's, you know, and my favorite thing is when I get to do a road trip with a friend is probably asking questions that I normally don't ask when I'm just over the phone with somebody um, and, you know, playing games on the road and, and feeling like I'm a, you know, I'm a kid in an adult body. <laughs> Which is different from every other day, how? <laughs> <laughs> Ryan, I feel like, you know, that was something that was really, you know, when I talked to you about like, you know, after we completed our road trip, it was just like, yeah, that, you know, that long stretch, even though the first day was a long day, it was like, you know, we really got, we got deep. I think between the the deep talks we had and also just the time spent we had, um, I, I feel like it really, it, it was just a, it was really a, a really memorable moments in our already long and storied history together. All right. So this was a pandemic road trip. Let's start here. Uh, A to Z, where did we start and where did we end up? What was the plan? <laughs> Ryan, did we have a plan? <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, before you dive into the nitty gritty, what was the overall plan? It was like, you guys were like, I got to get out of town. We have somewhere to be. There was a reason to go someplace or you just needed to run. I was going to buy a car that my friend had left in her trust. Um, and she passed away early on in, in the pandemic. It's so hard for me to say it because it's like the reality of that is still, there's a lot of grief wrapped up in it. But I felt like that was something that was a joyous thing, but it was in Asheville. So I knew that I had to go from New York to come back for the holidays with my folks I knew that I had to come, I had to go to Asheville if I was going to buy this car, take that car from Asheville to my folks' place in Ormond Beach, Florida. It's a long, like, 20 hours total. And I had a number of different ways I was going to do it. Was I going to do it by myself? Was I going to do it with somebody else? Um, and then Ryan just said, well, why don't I do it with you? And the the sense of relief from just hearing that, from me like, yeah, I'll do it. You know, there was a lot of other things behind it. I was like, how do you get there? How do you, you know, how do you fly from LA to New York, quarantine? What does it look like? All these other things. But just him saying yes to me was just like, oh, it's possible to do this. I normally around that time of year, I visit Tanya in New York anyway. Um, so... It was, it was already kind of like, oh, I'm not going to get to see Tanya, you know, and I'm not going to get to go be in, you know, the most magical city in the world. And, uh, you know, just kind of having, I was already having that forlorn kind of feeling. And then she told me about this road trip. And I was like, wait, a, hold the phone. And I, I just like, let me do this with you. And, and I, um, I'm glad that we did because, you know, I, I grew up um, in the middle of nowhere, like 45 minutes from where that car was that she was buying. So uh, a lot of that territory that we were going to be driving through was 
you know, well paved, well, well traveled roads for me because my family went on, um, you know, we would go on road trips to, cause I grew up in East Tennessee. We would go to road trips to West Virginia to see my grandparents. We would go to the beach and the Carolinas. We, uh, drove to Florida. We had family down there and we'd go to the beach there. So all of, uh, well, I would say at least two thirds of the roads we were on are roads I had traveled. I also have family in BC. So driving up to Northern Virginia, I mean, all those places were really familiar for me. And, uh, so it was like, I, I knew I was like, I am a great road trip buddy for this because this is, you know, a lot of the places we'll be driving at night. I've been driving at night since I was, you know, learned how to steal my parents' car. <laughs> Tanya was originally going to make this road trip before the election. And I, I talked her into waiting until after the election because I knew I couldn't travel until after because I was working on the Biden campaign. So just to clarify here, guys. So I'm on the same page. Tanya, you're living in the Bronx. You made him come to New York for two weeks then to quarantine. Yes. Or a period of time. You don't have to be. You, yes. you don't have to give exact. There was a period of quarantine, right? right? Okay, great. Now, okay, that, that part's yes. clarified. Now, the next thing I want to say is. Well, actually, like, this is important, an important point. I was coming from California. So the state of New York has done their, um, you know, in, managed incoming people very well. So you have to fill out a form online before you land um, in the state of New York that this, that about describes your symptoms potential and where you're coming from. And if there's like, there were at the time, there were like seven States that were not, if you were coming from those seven States, you were not required to quarantine at all. However, Ryan was required to quarantine anyway. <laughs> so it was, it was, it was, it was not state imposed. It was Tanya imposed. So you guys then decide you're going to go from New York to Asheville to pick up a car. Yes. So you rent a car in New York, you borrow a car in New York, you got to get somehow from New York to Asheville, North, Asheville, North Carolina, I'm assuming, yes. Oh, the rental car. <laughs> if you were writing the screenplay, the rental car situation would be a major through line. Yes, because, so, yeah, so I was, um, I had rented a car from LaGuardia Airport, because it was much cheaper than the one down the street. I, I think like by two or three. Of course it was because it was LaGuardia Airport. Oh my God. Oh my God. And I should have known. I should have known because because I'm like, oh, I'm getting it from, from this Avis and it's going to be fine. And I think it was like $150 total. Um, and we had the car for at least three days. So I was like, this is a deal. And I'm so excited. And I'm, you know, I go to pick up, I basically have to grab a cab um, to, from my place to LaGuardia. And then I pick up the car in the sea of cars (laughs) and I was just like, okay. And then nobody would really, um, look up and help me. So I was just like, you know, this is, this is typical. This is a good way for me to go ahead and say, okay, I'm getting the, like the New York edge and then it's, it's time for me to leave. (laughs) Tanya's New York edge is very scary. (laughs) <laughs> yes it is <laughs> so i when i pick up the car I, I thought there was nothing wrong with it i was like okay everything checks out and then i i want to say after i pick up ryan is when i start to smell that obviously somebody had been smoking like chain smoking in this car and i didn't catch it when i first rolled out of the avis and you didn't catch it because you were wearing two masks and a face shield and glasses and goggles oh my goodness the stench was horrible i felt like it like every hour we had it and we were our first day was a 13 hour drive so 
<laughs> every hour was just like, oh, this is horrible. So we were like, well, once we get out of the city, let's just go to an Avis and swap it out. Well, I live, um, the closest Avis outside of the city was in, I think, it just over, just over the, uh, the George Washington Bridge. Like in literally, New like, like before the toll booth on the other side. <laughs> yeah. And, and all of a sudden it was like literally, what was it? Ryan, you were wearing shorts. I was wearing shorts and a thin hoodie. Okay, so look, it was like in the Bronx, <laughs> it was calm, a bright wind, uh, fall day, and maybe 50 something degrees. So shorts and a light hoodie were perfect for, you know, going up and down the stairs a lot, packing the car. And it was a Perfect. It was a nice. It was a nice outfit for walking around in the Bronx. And as soon as as soon as we crossed the the bridge into Fort Lee, I think we it it it, it dropped like ten degrees and was like fifty mile an hour winds. And as soon as I got out of the car, I was like, Jesus fuck! It was like the worst. And we stayed outside the car for what felt like hours. It was like five minutes. And it was five minutes because nobody would help us. And I was just like, who do I go in? And like, I don't want to go in because it looks like nobody's wearing a mask. And I was like, fuck <laughs> it, we're going in. <laughs> we went in, Nobody, still nobody helped us. And I, I think after like 10 minutes, I was just like, all right, we'll find another Avis. Yeah, like they were just sitting, like they were having this long form conversation with somebody about the, the, the ins and outs of their long-term rental. And they weren't even acknowledging our existence. There were two people behind that desk. One of them was doing something that didn't matter. And one of them was helping that guy. They didn't bother with us. There was another window. They could have helped us, but they did not. <laughs> so you were in New Jersey. I mean, come on. <laughs> I know that was that was our mistake because we went to the next Avis and was also in New Jersey, and we still didn't get <laughs> get a car. I just want to point out again that you were in New Jersey, and this had nothing nothing to do with COVID. This is just how they do it in New Jersey. <laughs> so wait, so you guys, so you failed miserably at changing the car. You, Twice. you stayed with. Twice. Okay. And then you continued down. Did you get, you all right, you did 13 hours. You had to get through Jersey. You got to at least to Delaware in 13 hours. We got through, let's see, we passed through, we went the kind of outside route. So we went through Jersey and then Pennsylvania. And then we you did the Delaware water gap over the Pencil, to Pennsylvania. Uh, uh, yeah. Yes. Okay. And yes. then we, and then we went we down through West Virginia and Maryland and then finally into Virginia, which by the way, driving the long, the long, you know, the long way down Virginia is so, it just takes so long and it all looks pretty yeah. much exactly the same. And it just, when you think it's over, you got two hours left. Um, and, and so that was, I mean, the bulk of our road trip was that whole day. Um, I mean, we landed at my dad's place in East Tennessee, just over the mountain from Asheville where her car was at like midnight 30 or something. But we, we didn't actually leave the Bronx until noonish or something oh you did all that in one yeah day. we did wow. oh, well yeah. tanya had like tanya had been th okay so in tanya's planning she had picked out all these places along the way where we could stop and she called ahead to all these hotels and asked in great detail about their covid protocols and, 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 and not and, That's smart. yeah and but but it, the decision making criteria was a what do we think about their, uh, well, when I say we, I mean the royal we, Tanya. What does Tanya, Tanya think about their, their, their uh, COVID <laughs> protocols, A? And B, do they sound like people we trust? So, like, if, if somebody was, like, you know, dismissive of her, 
I'm sure, I don't know. I'm just imagining what happened because I could tell that Tanya had made some person like personality judgment decisions about some people running some hotels. And that was a decision-making factor. So if, I, I'm sure that if they were like dismissive of her questions or if they didn't sound really friendly, she was like, not about it. She has this, she had this whole no. plan, but we ended up making it to my dad's place. Now, Tanya, do you get like forum slash Beverly Hills Playhouse where you use the statement, here's what I'm going to need from you. Like, <laughs> and I'm so sorry. I have so many people to apologize in this podcast because I've already insulted New Jersey and people from the forum and the Beverly Hills Playhouse. Go, you're on. Uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> I mean, you know, and, and I want to say that there is a lovely place in Roanoke that I, that the, the general manager really was lovely and took about 30 minutes to walk me through like he he made a he painted a beautiful picture this is when you roll up here if you don't feel comfortable you know coming in we can definitely go ahead and arrange it you know by you know just taking your card and then all you have to do is flash it like this and um and I think that was one of my first calls so when I called other places I was just like oh no he set the bar this guy he set the bar so high <laughs> So high (laughs) that I just felt like, wow, you know what? I feel like I'm going to be taken care of here, and I and I was pushing hard on Ryan. I was like, we should really stop at this place in Roanoke. (laughs) And Ryan's like, no, we can actually. Yeah, yeah. meanwhile, I was like, you don't understand. Where I grew up, Roanoke is close. (laughs) I mean, it's actually like a several hour drive, but it's still it's close. (laughs) Like if you're in Roanoke, you just might as well go the rest of the way. I mean, to be clear, it takes hours to get from my dad's house to Roanoke. That's close. Um, so so she was like, what's up in Roanoke? I was like, are you fucking kidding me? We're going to spend, I don't know how much money on hotel rooms because I don't think Tanya would have even, I don't know if Tanya was going to let us even sleep in the same room. Because here's the thing. We had both gotten tested together. I had quarantine and she was still kind of like, it took her the, the duration of the road trip to slowly get comfortable with not wearing a mask with me in the car. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, So I don't know. I think we would have spent, money on two hotel rooms at this place in Roanoke. And I was like, I can power through this. I'm a redneck from the South. I can drive all night through, give me a Red Bull and we're good. <laughs> That's what and this is why I love you because y- you know what? I needed somebody to go ahead and take the, you know, literally take the bull by the horns <laughs> and show me that way because I would have definitely felt you know, I was so riddled with anxiety, like, you know, most of us here in, you know, in pandemic sure. USA. But I, I really felt like, you know, Ryan, you know, I think that out of all of this is, you know me so well that I just needed that hand holding to get to that other side, to feel comfortable, to feel safe, because in my brain, it was just this running dialogue of I'm not going to be safe. I'm not going to be safe. Yeah, and it sounds like you had two um, um, things going on in your head. I mean, not just the COVID, but you're also, there's a little bit of emotion going on because you're going to pick up this car and the tie that the car had to the person who meant something to you. Yeah. I mean... Yeah, I'm not trying to offer you. I'm not, I'm not going to... You don't have to cry. Don't cry. If you cry right now... No, I'm kidding. Go ahead. <laughs> I'm not crying. Um, yeah, I mean, and, you know, and 
you know, she, this is a person who really, you know, I, that I, you know, knew all of my adult life and, you know, I really did need somebody who was, um, somebody I trusted, you know, a friend like Ryan to, to, I feel like get me to, to this destination and, um, and part of the grief, you know, there was, if there's one thing to go ahead and, and have a life event like this happen and, you know, he's one of my best friends that I can go to and talk to. Um, but to be present with each other in the same space, um, really felt like I was, I could do this. I could, I could move on and, and celebrate her life in this way by taking ownership of this car. So you guys spent the night with Ryan's um, family and then you got up the next day and did the rest of the trip to Asheville? Sort of. I mean, we stayed with my dad, who by, who is like kind of a hermit in, you know, was in the before times. And so he's especially so now. And so it was just my dad in this big house that he has that he's like my dad um, and, and stepmom separated a year ago, right before the pandemic. And so he had, he's been living in this house that has like four bedrooms or something insane by himself using a third of it at most. And so, and it was actually really cute because you could tell he had very clearly deliberately cleared out two of the bedrooms and, and just had just vacuumed in there right before we got there. Um, it was really sweet. It was like, my dad made a real, and he was also, my dad doesn't call like he's, uh, he, I love him. He loves me. We get along, but we don't talk. He's not a talker. Um, uh, most of the time. So, but he called twice that day while we were driving down to check in, make sure, you know, we were still going to be there that night and rehash the same plans we had already rehashed with him. And, um, and, uh, when we were, while we were there, like the next day, we were there for a couple of nights. He was so talkative, so engaging, had so much to say. And I was like, where did someone body snatch my dad? Because he was, <laughs> he was so like friendly and I mean, he's not, not friendly. He's just a little bit of a curmudgeon. Uh, and so, you know, and he had a lot to say, he really wanted to get to know Tanya. And I think he was, he had been lonely because he had been so alone for so long. And this is my first time meeting him. So I've only heard stories, um, about him and, and, and not, and not a whole lot about your dad, Ryan. Um, but this was the first time I, I was meeting him and, I mean, it just made it put it just put things in perspective on your life prior to being from from us meeting in LA, and I was just like this, you know. He was ex he was excited. He he you know he cooked us a meal. He wanted to talk. Um, it was just it was just really was a better pick than going to some hotel in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> Tanya, did you at any point consider stuffing a pillow under your shirt to give the illusion that you were pregnant with Ryan's baby <laughs> when you arrived and just not talk about it the entire time? <laughs> I can't believe I did not this think of that. <laughs> this is why I would be a better road trip. Buddy. I don't think that would have worked okay. though, because my dad knows me. Like my dad knew I was gay when I was four. So, um, so he would have what would have happened if she had done that is he would have leaned into me at some point and gone, "She's kind of fat, huh?" <laughs> but he did. Send so some you guys, 
I'm sorry. Go well, ahead. But he said the the sweetest thing is, um, and I don't I don't know, Ryan, you were in the room, but he he you know he came over to me and he was just like, "Thank you for taking care of Ryan," and I said, "And I gotta say, I I have to thank him for taking care of me, and thank you for having him." Like, it was just, it was a really, like, he's a very sweet man. I'm so glad I got to meet him. That's very cool. So, see, this something, it, this is all amazing because to me, it's one of those things that every part of this was meant to happen. Like, the good and the bad and the crazy and the weird and the COVID and all of it, it was meant to go the way it's, it's going thus far. Yeah. So, you guys, and after several a couple days with your dad you guys then made the rest of the trip to pick up the car well i picked up in the car but in between so because asheville was so close we made it the the second day of our of our trip so the first day we drove the whole time then on the second day because i think that was a friday um i had to go get it before like courts closed and um to get a title and all of that stuff so it was just like an afternoon um, when I went ahead and got the car from um, my friend's dad. And um, <laughs> this, and it was just, um, you know, rolling in. I spent, when she went into hospice before uh, the shutdown, um, I spent a lot of, yeah, I spent about a week and a half, two weeks with her and her family and friends um, before she passed. And I had driven back. I had actually driven her car to New York in between the time of um, like a week before, like March 3rd um, is when I drove it back because they were like, well, she's not going to be able to drive the car. So, you know, just drive it. And, you, you know, when you come back in about a week, I had work you can come back with the car and, um, and, um, and I had basically been on the road when I found out that she had passed away. So it didn't feel real right before on March 11th when she passed away to March 13th when I had to get on a plane to come back to, to come to Florida. I made a decision to quarantine down here. Um, so being there this time, there felt like there was a lightness and um, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't know, Ryan, if you noticed, but I was just kind of like, there was this like part of me where there was a little bit of, of feeling okay being there um, and taking over the car really meant a lot. It really, I feel like it was like her spirit is in this car. Um, so we were only there for just a couple of hours before we headed back and we got to drive the Blue Ridge Parkway, which was a drive that, um, that I would take during the time we were, when she was in hospice when I was there in March, or about February, March. But it was just kind of like this uh, victory ride back to Ryan's dad's. And I felt like, okay, I can... I can process this grief now. You know, it's, it's funny. Um, as you said, it just makes me think about how, I mean, when, yeah, it did, it was noticeably lighter. 
when, when I, I noticed that I felt that it was visceral for me and, and not just for you, but for her dad too. I felt like, um, it didn't feel like the heavy tumultuous, uh, environment that, that you had been described, that you had been described as the le- the, the weeks and months leading up to her death. Um, it, it was, it was, there was, you know, I remember when my mom passed <clears throat> like a bajillion years, like, I don't know, 15 years ago now. Um, one of the lessons I learned from that is that there are a lot of blessings that come from anyone passing and and they come in the form of um opportunities to change and grow opportunities to grow closer to other people and all of this stuff from um this road trip that tanya and i got to experience to um the the what felt like a newer a a newfound peace for her for uh, this person's father whom we got the car from to you know all these things these are things that are you know benefits we reap when someone passes and that's part of the grand design i think and so it it can't ever really be a totally devastating sad thing when someone passes because as time goes on the repercussions include magical wonderful things that draw us closer together or help us grow that would not have occurred had it not been for that loss and so i love jess i mean she was a wonderful person and i wish i had gotten to spend more time with her when she was alive but you know i'm grateful she gave us this gift. Yeah, it's very interesting. You know, my father, <clears throat> my dad was sick for a long time. He was, uh, he was, went to hospice, but they kicked him out cause he wouldn't die. And, um, we, we found that funny, but, um, <laughs> he wound up dying at home, but there's like a buildup to it and all these expectations you have. And then it happens and there's like a release, but then there's a whole other side of it. You know, there's a whole other experience that happens as each each holiday, each thing you find, each picture, each moment when you, when they come into your head. So it's, it's interesting um, that there was enough time for you, Tanya, between when it happened and then taking this um, piece of her life into your life, as opposed to had you, had she gone and it happened right away. Does that make sense? It does make sense. I mean, you know, if if anything, that was always her gift when she was alive is, you know, passing the baton mm-hmm. and really allowing you to have the space to heal, to laugh, to play, to be who you are. And, um, you know, I, I, I've played with her for so many years that you know, in intellectually, I knew all of that stuff, <laughs> but it needed to be experiential, especially during this time where I just kept going, you know, what is this lesson? Jess, what is this lesson that I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm learning. And I just needed to go ahead and just sit with that question. So I think with this, you know, it, I mean, Ryan, you're right. It's like, I feel like this is a, the, this gift of going on that trip with you really was a gift of healing, a gift of connecting um, both to myself, to you, and to the possibilities of uh, what could, you know, what comes next. How was the ride home different than the ride going down? Hmm. Well, the ride, our, our journey 
went to, um, at least for Ryan and I, uh, we stopped in Jacksonville, and that's where I, I threw him on a plane. <laughs> <laughs> Get out. <laughs> oh, because you, okay, just to clarify, so you didn't go back to New York. You went back down to Florida. Yeah, so I'm actually, yeah, I drove back down to Florida, and I've, I'm here now. Um, but on that, on the, on the ride back down here, I think it was about an hour and a half where I was like, oh, I'm alone and I'm alone in this car. And it felt so like, I felt like I was, um, I had, I had ran a marathon and, um, and mind you, I've never ridden, I've never (laughs) run a marathon, (laughs) but it was just that, that I, I just felt like there was like a, a victory that I accomplished. And, um, and it was after I felt that after leaving Ryan, cause I was alone, I was alone in the car and I was like, this is the first time, you know, I'm, I've given myself this space after, you know, many days of, of, you know, planning and then doing this trip, but it really felt like I was Hercules. So this is how I normally end these shows. I'm going to ask you three questions. You know the answers to all of them. Don't panic. I'll ask you the easiest one first. Where can people find you on the interwebs if they want to follow you? Tanya, go ahead. You can find me at um, tanyaperez.nyc. That's my website. And my Instagram and Twitter are both Tanya Perez rules with a Z. And sir, um, you can always find some kind of static, slightly outdated information at ryanbasham.com. Um, but I'm on all the media social at Ryan Basham, except um, I, I am not on Snapchat. That is where my old man comes out. I really don't get it. Um, so I've tried really hard. I just don't understand the value of it. But I'm on all the <laughs> other ones, I, even on TikTok, although there I have no videos of me on it, uh, at Ryan Basham. Okay, so this question goes out to both of you. We'll start ladies first. Tanya, we're going to start with you. Who inspires you? Ah, my mom. My mom really inspires me. And Ryan, you inspire me too. You, you, you are always just somebody I, um, I love and respect and keep getting surprised by. Um, I feel like I've known you for a million years, but... Yeah, Ryan and my mom. My mom is just, she is really something. Ryan, who inspires you? I am a little floored because I was going to say exactly the same two things. Um, uh, My mom passed away when I was uh, like 19 or 20, but she, um, and this is something actually Tanya and I talked about on our our trip. Um, she, She painted a world of, of aspiration and um, anything is possible for me that has become my worldview. And um, even though she's been gone for a long time, uh, that still is kind of my fu- a fundamental driving force for me. Um, and it was really, and I was reminded so much of that on our road trip. Um, but also, I mean, Tanya inspires me. You know, Tanya has seen a lot, been through a lot, lived a lot. And um, I don't think anybody could come away from the set of experiences Tanya has had and grown into and continued to grow into the rich, 
vibrant, um, diverse, um, uh, dedicated, committed, even if given to bouts of uh, snarky, hilarious cynicism, <laughs> which is fun to experience, um, personality and human being that Tanya is. I think um, I really do believe uh, that Tanya is is a national treasure. Um, I think there are few people in the universe as talented and gifted and with as unique a perspective as she has. And, um, you know, part of why I hitch my start of her wagon is I, I, I feel like it's a real, real blessing to get to bear witness to who she is as a human, who she is as an artist. And, um, uh, if I'm lucky, play some small part in helping other people get to experience that from her too, because it really is, she's one of a kind. There will never be another Tanya. And the final question that I ask all my guests, and you can relate it back to what we've talked about, or it can be anything you want it to be. Tanya, tell me something good. Oh, I mean, God, you know, something good every day is allowing I think I'm going to start that again. <laughs> when you got good friends, you got a good life. That that's it. That was a, that was unusually succinct. <laughs> Ryan, tell me something good. Um one of the things, one of the lessons I've learned, I'd like to say from my mother, even though it's something I feel like I, I, I learned in her physical absence anyway, but I still think of it as a lesson from her is that life is short, but it's also very long and it's easy to get caught up in the state of the world or whatever is keeping me down or in this moment or whatever. But one of the things that that's really that I keep discovering in my own life. And one of the things that I got to experience in our road trip is life is also very long. And if, if I stop speaking for my, um, as a good, you know, person who's been to a therapist, um, uh, if, if I stop and, and, and plug into the current moment and to the people I care about around me and, um, and, and taking the long view of not just my life, but the, the, the timeline of the entire human race and the history of the universe, everything kind of can slow down and almost stand still. And then I can soak up the richness of, of all the goodness that is around me and a big part of the goodness that is constantly around me, even when we're on opposite sides of the continent um, is my friendship with Tanya. And I think that kind of stopping and soaking up the goodness is available to all of us if we choose it. Thank you, Tanya and Ryan, for sharing your good with us. There are so many lessons to learn here, but for me, it's this. Everything happens for a reason, a good reason. You just have to get on the road and see where it takes you. Next time on World Gone Good. You can imagine the process of stepping from where you are into who you really are and making that a physical journey that we're so much bigger than we allow ourselves to think. 
Deborah Boulanger is a coach, author, speaker, and retreat leader helping successful women over 40 realize their full life potential. She's the CEO and founder of The Great Do-Over, and she's here to prove it's never too late to be the ultimate you. I hope you'll join me for our good, no, you know what? Great conversation. Until then, be good. No, you know what? Be great.